0: This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Hi everybody! <laughs> it's so good to see you all. Thank you for coming out, you guys, in the venue. So good to, have, good to have you with us. And thank you for joining us online as well. I'm really, really excited to be able to share tonight. But before I do, I just want to share with you for a moment that I'm so excited, I don't know about you, but so excited about all the things that we are doing for our community family. And you know, I was saying this morning that when we were doing serve day, a lady was actually driving past and she stopped and she said, please tell me how can I get involved as well? What an opportunity so we had an opportunity to witness to her but for us we know if you want to get involved and you have time just get onto into the groups department just get hold of them or welfare contact them and they will tell you how you can get involved in this area what i want to share with you though really is a scripture that blesses my heart and the reason that I love to contribute regularly to our welfare department. And it says this, it's in Psalm 41. And if you have your Bible or your app, you may want to make a note of this because this is going to bless your socks off. And it says this, Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them when they are in trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. He gives them prosperity in the land and rescues them from their enemies. The Lord nurses them when they are sick and restores them to health. So family, I want to encourage you. If you want to contribute into our welfare department, please feel free to do that. If you go to our website, you'll see the, the, the welfare account details there. Or you can just put it into your donation and just mark it welfare. And we will ensure that that money is is properly allocated for you. Is that good? Is that a good scripture? Am I the only one excited about that? Come on, let me see that you got that. there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So also we're going to be receiving communion tonight. So I just want to make sure that you've all got your little pack. Yes. If you haven't, just raise your hand and we will make sure to get that to you. So I'm just going to take a sip of water. And then I want to say a really big thank you to Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev, as always, for the opportunity of sharing the Word. I definitely don't take this lightly, and it's such a joy, family, to have you with me. Can we just bow our heads and pray for a moment? Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity of being able to share your Word. I thank you for your beautiful anointing. It just saturates your house tonight, Lord, and every single person listening, Father. I just thank you, Lord, that tonight is the night of salvations. I thank you that tonight is the night of miracles. I thank you tonight is the night of healings. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that as we give this meeting to you, you are in control. I give myself completely to you, and I know that you are the teacher. So you you take this word and put it into our hearts that it can grow into change in our lives, Father, and that we can affect and, and, and just contribute to so many others and, and do the work of the ministry. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus and we with rejoicing and give you all the praise of all that is accomplished here tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, family. So tonight is for me, as I said, a really exciting night, simply because it's really the the final of our series on um my theme rather, on back to basics. And I just love this theme because, you know, for years, Apostle Theo always said to us, it's always good to get back to the foundations on which we build our faith. Amen? To come back to the price that Jesus paid for our salvation. Because for us, it was a free gift, but the price that was paid is immeasurable. And also, family, we're going to be concluding our series tonight on, on sitting at the feet of Jesus. Just, what do we call that? It's just seated. My, my, my message tonight is seated in heavenly places. And we, the series is called Close to Jesus. How many of you enjoyed that? I mean, it's just been, that's what it's all about, isn't it? And the first night was Pastor Andre spoke about sitting at the feet of Jesus and he spoke about Mary and Martha and how important it was that we just take time to just spend in the presence of God. And then come the works and not to be distracted by the stuff and not have time with God. And then last week, teacher Paul was with us and he gave us this great demonstration of being seated at the table. And let's not have our chair out there. Jesus says, come in. You're part of the family. Amen, family. And so tonight we're going to be speaking as being seated in heavenly places. And my teaching is based on Ephesians 2 and verse 6. And it reads as follows. It says, and God raised us up in christ and he seated us with him in heavenly realms in christ jesus i mean you can't really get any closer than that can you but in the last couple of years i think that with all the stuff going on that our priorities have maybe changed a little bit that maybe just the weight of all these huge pressures, it's just maybe taken our focus to different places. And I want to read to Colossians 3 and verse 2. It says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. You see, family, maybe what we need to do is look at having a mind shift that we really focus on our residence in heaven, empowering us so that we can live successfully and victoriously right here on the earth. How many would you agree with that? You see, I know that it's been tough. I mean, my, my cell phone, would you believe this? My cell phone actually defaults to the word condolences. I've sent that message to us so many times. There's just something wrong with that. Would you agree? So I kind of got to think, you know, when the Lord Jesus was on the earth and I was like, Lord, What was it like? And the Lord reminded me of the most stressful, overwhelming time of the life of Jesus would have been those weeks preceding the crucifixion. That we need to understand that he actually went to Jerusalem, that Passover, knowing that he was going to be the lamb sacrificed. Knowing that one of his disciples that had walked with him, that had talked with him, sucked with him, been with him, actually took care of the ministry's finances, was going to betray him. Knowing that all those people that he blessed, that he healed, that he loved, were going to be scattered. And so many of them were going to turn their backs on him. Knowing that that disciple that was so close to his heart, after pledging his loyalty to death, was going to deny him three times. You see, family, sometimes when when we're facing problems, what happens is that sometimes little things kind of fall by the cracks. For example, you know, if you're facing this huge issue, this mountain in your life, and somebody comes to you with what would, by comparison, seem to be maybe a molehill, it just seems to be quite difficult to have sympathy and empathy because you want to shout out, do you not know what I'm going through? Not so with Jesus. Family, even though he knew what he was having to go through, he still loved. He still blessed. He still showed compassion and kindness and empathy and gave healing to all those that he came into contact with. I want you to consider this now. Just think a little bit about the father. How many of you are parents? I mean, how would you feel if your child was running a fever? If your child was had symptoms, if your child needed an operation, if your child was being bullied, how do you feel? If your child is has been injured, nothing about you, man. I will just get everybody out of my way. I will do everything to make my child better. Amen. Anybody with me? Now, family, really think about this. I think a lot of people will even say, "Listen, I would just gladly." Take all the suffering of my children if I could do that. The most difficult test, character test in the entire Bible is in the Old Testament when God went to Abraham and he said to him, I want you to take your only son to Mount Moriah and I want you to go and sacrifice him there. How many of you would have failed that test? I certainly would have. I'm telling you the truth. But now consider God, He's not only God. He is a father and he has a son, an only beloved son. And he sends his son out of the heavenly realms to take on a human story, to put on flesh, and to become a mediator for all of mankind. And the father knew, he knew the wickedness and the evil and the corruption and the sin that was on the earth. And yet, he was prepared to send his son as a helpless infant into that environment because he loved us so much. And as if that wasn't enough, family, that he was prepared to allow his son to take on all that evil and wickedness and sin so that we could be saved. Even though he had He had never sinned, even though he had never rebelled, even though he had never hated. And that was the reason that God had to test whether this covenant of Abraham would allow him to do what he knew he had to do in order to bring salvation to humanity. And praise God that Abraham passed that test. And he was prepared to do that, even though at the last moment, the Lord provided himself a sacrifice. Now I want you to think about the Lord Jesus. After 33 years of doing only that which the Father instructed him to do, he's now in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he is so anguished by the fate that that awaits him that he's sweating drops of blood and he's pleading with the father to make another way. Is there any other way? Now I can imagine the father maybe wishing that he could put a ram in the thicket as he did with Abraham, but there was no one that was without sin, that could take the blame of all the sin of mankind in order that we could be blameless. There was no one on the earth other than Jesus that was perfectly righteous, who could bring about this perfect exchange whereby he would take our unrighteousness so that we could be righteous see, family, sin cannot stand in the presence of God. And therefore, for us to be able to come into the presence of God, for us to be reconciled to God, for us to become children of God, and ultimately that we would be able to become the, the bride of Christ, to be worthy of the Son of God, it would take a perfectly righteous person to be able to stand in the gap on our behalf. And so the father, fully understanding what Jesus was going through, he had to look beyond the pleas of his son and hand him over to the tormentors, to those out for blood, those filled with hate. And the father watched the horror of the beating. He watched the rejection, the ridicule, the embarrassment, the humiliation, and the ultimate shame of being nailed to a cross when He had done nothing wrong, when He had actually given His life for those very people who were tormenting Him. Family, can you even imagine what the Father went through? And then when we understand the horror and the pain that the cross was actually designed for the purpose of torture, we really understand, we read those, those final hours of our Savior's death. What we, what we understand this, about the cross is that it demands a choice. It demands a decision. It requires a response. We cannot come to the cross and remain neutral. I want to pick this up now, really, in Luke chapter 23. So if you want to turn there, you can go ahead. And at this point in time, what had happened is Jesus had had just suffered so much torture that he was, one couldn't even recognize him any longer. I mean, his face was completely swollen. His beard had been torn out. The thorns had made his whole skull, his whole face swell up. His back was completely shredded. There was nothing left And on top of that, they still put the splintered cross on top of his back and forced him to carry it up the Via Dolorosa. And still, the torment did not stop. Still, the people were standing there shouting at him, hurling insults at him, spitting at him. The Bible says that there came a time where he just no longer could bear the weight of it. In verse 26, it says, Now, as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it for Jesus. Then we go to verse 32. It says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led with him to be executed. Now, I want to just make this clear. Those criminals were not tortured as Jesus was because it was, the, Rome, it was the, the Jewish leaders that brought about that torture. Verse 33, it says, when they came to a place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Now, I want you to realize, this family, that when Jesus hung on that cross, okay, his feet were nailed together. In order for him to breathe, he had to push down on the nail on his feet, push his back up against the splintered cross just to be able to take a breath. In spite of that, even more difficult it was for him to speak. He prays this prayer in verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. I'm saying, forgive them? What? What? i saying, let bolts of lightning come from heaven and destroy them. Let, let the earth swallow them up. Let them implode. And then he carries on. He says, they don't know what they're doing. I'm saying, Jesus, they knew. They knew this was premeditated murder. Jesus said, no, they don't. Family, the, the love, the mercy, the compassion of our God. It's just amazing. We can only understand that when we realize this, that Jesus laid his life down. The devil tried to kill him. He didn't succeed. The Roman soldiers didn't kill him. The religious leaders didn't kill him, family. He came to Jerusalem with one thought in mind. He had to fulfill his mission on this earth. What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Savior that we have. And I believe the only way that he could do that was to look beyond the cross to see your faces here tonight. I believe the only way that the Father could bear it was to see beyond the cross. carries on in verse 34. It says they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Verse 35 says the people stood watching. That statement just sounds to me so helpless, so hopeless. Then the Jewish leaders still don't carry on. It says the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself. I mean, they just, you know, they're like, if he is God's Messiah, if he is the chosen one. And then the soldiers chime in as well. It says the soldiers also came and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and they said, if you are the king of, of the Jews, save yourself. There was a sign above his head, written notice above him, which read, This is the king of the Jews. <laughs> I beg to differ. I do. He is the king of glory. He's the king of kings. He's the king of everything. You see, so many people get it half right. They got it half right. Verse 39, it says, One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. I mean, I'm thinking this guy's hanging on the cross. And he's still got the energy to get involved in something that's got nothing to do with him, actually. He says, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and save us too. And then suddenly right over from the other side, we get this voice. Verse 40, it says, but the other criminal rebuked him. He says, don't you fear God since you are under the same sentence? Verse 41 says, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. This man, family, this man, there's just something about him. I mean, he must have said, I don't know him well, I don't know his story, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he says this, something amazing happened in this man's life because he says this, verse 42, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Just for a moment, I want you to think about Jesus at this time. Family, he was going through the worst kind of pain, the worst kind of anguish, spirit, soul, and body. And yet, from the cross, he is still reaching out. He is still blessing. Because it says in verse 43, Jesus answered him. He says, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. I want you to know today is the day of salvation. Nothing has changed. Today is the day of salvation. See, this is kind of almost a picture of mankind. It's kind of a mirror of humanity. People standing on the side of the cross. Here we see two thieves. I I think they've got a lot in common. They made a lot of mistakes, made a lot of bad choices, made a a lot of wrong decisions. Took a lot of wrong roads, right? A lot of mess-ups, a lot of bumps, bruises, a lot of bitterness, a lot of hate. So they were prosecuted. They were sentenced to death on a cross. Now, we don't know their story. We don't know if they knew each other. They just ended up dying beside the man in the middle. So they found themselves in the same place. My family, think about it. These two guys come into the story in the same place. The same situation, really. I mean, they were both criminals. They were both being punished for their wrongs. But you know what? They did not leave the story the same way. One of them, by the grace and the mercy of God, leaves the story completely differently because he chose Jesus. In the last moments of his life, this man makes the right choice. I can imagine him saying, I don't understand this, Jesus. I don't know what comes next. But Jesus, can you take me with you? And Jesus says, yes. When I go to my kingdom, you will go with me. And every person there could have made the same decision that day. Praise God for the Savior of the world. Family, it doesn't matter where we're at. When we come with an open heart to the cross, Jesus says, yes. Now I want to share with you four points, just give me a moment, that we can actually learn from these thieves on the cross. And the first one is, is that the thief proves that good works are not a requirement for salvation. I mean, think about it, this thief is hanging on the cross, he couldn't do anything To earn his salvation, I mean, he couldn't serve, he couldn't give. No good deed could he do from the cross family, which proves it is only by the grace and the mercy of God. It is all about Him. He did the work, He paid the price, and He offered us this free gift. And we see this in Ephesians two and verse eight. It says, "For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works so no one can boast. See, this story goes right back to Adam. When Adam sold out to the devil, he sold us out. And sin caused this chasm between man and God that we couldn't cross that. We couldn't get to the other side. And so that was the reason that God had to cut covenant with Abraham in order to have access, once again, to mankind. And that was the reason that God had to make sure that Abraham was prepared to do what he knew he had to do in order to save mankind. And family, that is how Jesus became the bridge that reconciled us to the Father. And it doesn't matter where we find ourselves today. Jesus is that bridge that takes us to the presence of God. He is the rock of our salvation. And he makes our journey secure. There's no fear. There's, there's, no, there's no doubts. There's, he's with us all the time. And he is the only way. We cannot save ourselves. There's only one bridge, and that is Jesus. And you know, I have people saying to us, but I'm such a good person. And I'm like, really? And I have others saying, but I'm such a bad person. I'm like, really? It's got nothing to do with us. It's about the grace and the mercy of God. If we come to Him, He's paid the price and He says, yes, I will forgive you. I will take you as my own. Secondly, the thief proves that salvation is instantaneous. Isn't that amazing? We love instantaneous, don't we? I mean, we come, we want forgiveness. We got it. We want salvation, we've got it. We want mercy, we've got it. Grace, we've got it. Healing, we've got it. We stand before God, we say, Father, forgive me. You've got it. Amen. Jesus, save me. You've got it. You know, family, I just, I kind of, I kind of think about, you know, it's not like when you're trying to lose weight. You know, it kind of creeps up so quick, you forget it's been there a while. It's going to take a while to get rid of it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just me. It doesn't matter how much sin you've collected. In an instant, Jesus says, you're free. This thief had a whole lifetime of sin that he had accumulated. And in one moment, Jesus set him free. Amen. Give him some praise. Amen. You know what I just love? I love it when the auditorium is full and there's an altar call and you see these hands going up and you know there's healing, there's forgiveness, there's salvation. You know, God is just setting people free and tonight God is going to do the same thing. The third thing I want us to have a look at is that the thief proves, proves that God loves lost people. I mean, it doesn't matter where or when or what. God so loved the world that He gave His only beloved Son, my translation, to be brutally murdered so that I can be free. See family, I mean the thing that's amazing to me is this guy on the other cross that was shouting the odds. If he at the last breath had to say, Jesus, I'm wrong, forgive me, take me too. The last word Jesus would have said is come and he would have been forgiven instantly. See Jesus is victorious and he goes to heaven with trophies <laughs> and we are his trophies family. Here's what I was thinking about as well. You know, when Jesus was resurrected, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit took him to heaven. Can you imagine what a moment that was? The Son of God is back with the Father and the Holy Spirit. One God. I mean, the angels must have been rejoicing and all the saints of heaven must have been so happy. And there's the thief standing. And I can imagine people looking and saying, who's that? (laughs) Who's that? I can imagine him going, whoa, I would just come out of prison. I was on the cross. You didn't expect to see me here, but Jesus, but Jesus, family. God is so good. The last thing I want us just to think about is that the thief proves there is a place for you, for each and every one of us in heaven. There is a seat in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, you can't earn it, you can't buy it, we will never be good in our family. But we just need to make the right choice at the cross. So in a few moments we're going to be receiving Holy Communion and the reason I wanted to share this with you tonight is because when we receive Holy Communion, we need to remember, we need to remember the price that Jesus paid for our freedom, We need to remember what he went through for us to be able to have access to the heavenly realms. Before we do that, there are people though that I really believe need to make a decision to receive this gift that was so costly for the father who had to give up his only son. So costly for the son who said, not my will, but yours be done. So very costly, even for the Holy Spirit who went into hell to empower Jesus that he may defeat the enemy and we can be free. And he was resurrected, but family to accept this gift of salvation, it takes, it requires a decision. Someone ask every head bowed, every eye closed at this time. I want you just to imagine yourself that you in a courtroom and you are the accused and the judge is sitting in his seat and the defence attorney comes in, and he's got nothing. He's just sitting there. He comes in, and he sits down. The prosecuting attorney comes in, man. He's got piles of papers. Comes in, load after load after load, piles up these papers. The judges, the court is in session. The prosecuting attorney comes up, and he starts, and he starts accusing you, all these things that you ever did wrong, all these things that you thought that were wrong all these things that you said that were wrong, all these things that you didn't do, you should have done that were wrong. And he goes on and on and on and on. And it just seems he's never gonna stop, he just keeps going. And eventually he stops, the defense attorney gets up and he says, permission to approach the bench and he goes, judge, father, everything that the devil has accused this person of is true, every single thing but I paid the price and he shows him his hands. I paid the price and this person received my forgiveness. And the judge turns to the, the, the devil and he says, nailed to the cross, case closed. Now, if you wanna make that decision tonight, you wanna be free, I'm gonna give you that invitation right now. You wanna make Jesus your personal Lord and Savior receive this gift of forgiveness. This is your moment. I'm gonna ask you to put your hand up in a few moments time. If you're here tonight and you say, you know what, I just wanna rededicate my life. I wanna make this real again. I wanna pray with you as well. Maybe tonight you're just gonna say, I also wanna be so sure that I have that seat in heavenly places, that I can have that seat even at the table. I wanna be sure of that tonight. I'm going to ask you right now, I'm going to count to three. You want to receive Jesus. You want to rededicate your life. You want to be sure you're going to heaven. Just raise up your hand right now. One, two, three. If you're in the other venue, just raise up your hands right there where you are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for raising up your hands. You guys online, just raise up your hand. Jesus sees it. I may not see it. The Holy Spirit is in this place and He's with you. He sees your hand going up. I'm going to ask you just to to pray this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for paying the price for my sin. Thank you that I am free. I receive my forgiveness right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you gave your Son for me. Help me to forgive all those who have harmed me. In Jesus' name, I am now saved. I am born again. I am a child of God. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, in a moment, I'm going to give you your next steps. But right now, I would like that we would just take out our communion emblems. I think you've all got them. Family, you know, I just want to ask you this question. If I had to come and sit with you in January 2020, and I would sit down and I would say, Pastor Greg, Pastor Tracy, I want to tell you everything is going to happen for the next two years. Would you have believed me? (laughs) Not a chance. Not a chance. And you know what? Exactly the same way, I want to take you back to what we call the Last Supper. I want to take you back to the Thursday night when Jesus went to have this Passover meal with His disciples. They just didn't understand. I mean, they didn't understand why He washed their feet. He didn't understand why He kept talking about that one of them was gonna betray Him. They didn't understand why He wanted Him to go pray with them them in the garden. Because you see, family, sometimes there are just things maybe in our lives that are kind of blind spots. We don't even know that they're there. And the Bible tells us that before we partake of Holy Communion, that we should examine our hearts. Someone I'm going to ask if we can do that right now. If we can just bow our heads for a moment and just do that. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this opportunity of being able to partake of Holy Communion. But we want to ask you, Lord, if whatever there is in our, in our lives, in our hearts, maybe someone we need to forgive. Just bring it to our attention right now, Father, because we... We want to partake of Holy Communion with clean hands and pure hearts. So we want to thank you right now, Lord, for your forgiveness. And we forgive any person, Lord, that's hurt us and harmed us. We leave it at the cross. And we thank you, Jesus, that, we just, that you flood our hearts with your righteousness right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read to you now from Luke chapter 22. And this is really the story of where Jesus is at the table. It starts, it says, when the hour came and Jesus and his apostles were climbed at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. mean, he knew what was going to happen. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among you. For I will tell you, I will not again, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. I want you to think about this for a moment because it says, and he took the bread, I'd like you to take the bread out of your little container right now, I'd like you to hold it in your hand, I'd like you to break it, thank you. It says, he took the bread, he gave thanks and he broke it, and he gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, family, I want you, as you receive this bread tonight, I want you to know that Jesus' body was broken so that we can be healed. And if you have any sickness or symptoms in your body right now, as you partake of this bread, receive your healing. In Jesus' name, partake of the bread. you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power. Thank you, Jesus. We receive your healing right now in Jesus' name. Praise you, Lord. Verse 20, it says, in the same way, after supper he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. The family, as we partake of the cup, let's understand that we have been redeemed of all of our sins. Therefore, we can sit at the feet of Jesus. Therefore, we can sit at the table. Therefore, we can sit in heavenly places with the Lord. Let's never forget that. All we have to do is call on his name and we are in his presence. Let's partake of the cup right now. Jesus. What I'd like right now is that I'd like us just to sing this chorus of, and as we do, we give thanks to God for what He has done for us. Can we do that? Let's just stand. Let's just sing it. Go ahead, morning. Where your blood was shed for me, there's no greater love than this. Savior today. I just want to give you an opportunity to get your next steps. So I'm going to hand over to the venue host right now. If you can go ahead and just take over. There's anyone here in the auditorium. I want to ask you if you would just go to our connection center. There's a dream team awaiting to take you through. Just take all of your stuff with you if you're online and you receive. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. We celebrate you. We want to ask you if you would just text the word SAVE to 4991. Also go to our website. There's a big yellow button there. If you would just click on that, it will also help you with your next steps. Can we just give a praise, God, for all those people that are leaving? Thank you, Jesus.